0: What's up, coaches? Uh, hopefully, everyone by now has seen our video promo for our summit coming up uh, February the 18th through the 24th. Uh, we're really excited about that. If you guys haven't seen that, go on Twitter. Go to our website, runthepower.com. It's right on the front page. You want to learn more about the summit? Go to uh, the upper tab and tab down to uh, Summit 2019. Really excited about. It. We got 14 awesome coaches. Uh, we're, we're bringing that to everybody for free. Go sign up for a free ticket. Uh, you can watch those live. There'll only be a 1,000 live seats, though. Uh, so if you miss any of that or you want all of those videos, uh, get those early. You can go to our uh, all-access pass right now. Uh, it's a discounted price $75. If you're a premium member, then you'll be able to order the all-access pass uh, for only $50 as our gift to our premium members. So you guys go check that out, uh, see what we've got coming on. Awesome coaches. Uh, We've got four offensive coaches, four defensive coaches, two special teams coaches, two strength and conditioning coaches, and then two head coaches. Uh, Really excited about uh, our first summit ever. Uh, So you guys go check that out on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Both of our programs, uh, both Broken Arrow and Ankeny, invested in Guardian Caps this year, and we felt they helped our guys out immensely this season. They're soft-shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and thousands of high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley thinks about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, They're a lot more affordable than you guys probably would think. Uh, Go check them out in our show notes, or at guardiancaps.com. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own program, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial. Again, just enter the code RTP at teambuilder, T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. And then last but certainly not least, our good friends over at Sideline Power. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their program to the next level. With new and used headsets, end zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communications at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com by email at infosidelinepower.com at or just give them a call at 800 496 4290. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Mike McClanathan. Coach McClanathan is the O line coach and video coordinator at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa. Listen, we talk with Coach about being a young offensive line coach at his alma mater and how to coach guys you literally just played with in the years prior we also discussed some run schemes and techniques that we all use in our programs you can follow coach mcclanathan on twitter at mcclanathan ol hope you guys enjoy <laughs>
1: You got a good thing going over there at Drake, man. I saw you guys uh, went over to China. Can you, can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Is that something you guys do? Is it is it an every year deal, or is that something you guys do? You know, every three four years. I, I thought that was pretty cool. The kids got to go over there, and it didn't look like the football was very competitive from what I saw. I think you guys absolutely <laughs> mutilated whoever you played, but uh, it, yeah. it looked like it was a pretty cool. Harper it was like it was like seventy eight to nothing or something. Oh no. But it yeah. seemed like a really cool experience. I, I kind of was following you on uh, social media. So talk a little bit about that, Coach.
2: Sure, yeah. It was, it was a, a heck of an experience. I mean, you talk about in a different world, right? I mean, Chinese culture and Eastern culture, especially in general, is so different than what we're used to here in the States. And, I mean, especially in Iowa, Midwest culture is out of as blue-blood American as you can get. And So getting to experience that um, from a lot of different angles was great. Uh, we don't do it every year. Um, that would kind of put a pretty big strain on our budget. I think And travel internationally all the time. But we, uh, last trip we did was in 2011. We went to Africa, uh, to Tanzania, climbed Kilimanjaro, uh, played the Mexican national all-star team, uh, and, uh, played the first, actually first American football game on African soil. That was in 2011. It was actually the year before I got to Drake. Um, so I got to hear about it, never got to go. And then, we shoot for about every five years to go on some kind of trip as a team. And then it ended up being a little bit longer this time around when we went, we went to China and we played a team. uh, The base of the team was from Shanghai. There's not a lot of American football there at our, at uh, older uh, people's level, like adult level. Um, But they took a team based in Shanghai and then took some all-stars from around China and added them to that team. And, there was uh, one or two uh, guys on the team that that were that were decent, but overall they they lacked a lot of resources and just overall knowledge and experience about the game at this point to be competitive at a level that matches, you know, an FCS program in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it. It seemed like quite the uh, quite the mismatch there, but I mean, what a great way to be, you know, ambassadors for the game. I'm, I'm sure you guys got to do a lot of cool stuff with them. I mean, to me, any any way we can grow the sport, you know globally especially in the you know the, the country with the largest population in the world I mean to me it's kind of a no-brainer were you guys the first team that's ever played in China
2: no no we were not uh so who we went through was a uh, global football they've taken quite a few not a, a ton but a, a few teams out there to play um you know the American football in China is growing really really fast hmm. um they have I think it was something like 50,000 kids Uh, from like ages three to 12 signed up to play American tackle football in China. And then that's just from those age groups. And there's a ton of money in coaching youth football there. So they're trying to attract good coaches, um, especially Americans um, to come out there, live in Beijing and Shanghai and coach these kids up on the right way to play the game. Um, The Chinese people have fallen in love with the game and it's exploding. And, you know, in 20, 50 years, who knows where they're going to be. They could be a pretty good, uh, you got some pretty good football going on there in no time.
1: Well, the first
0: thing I think about when you say that you're going, you know, you had to take all the – you took all these kids uh, over there, which had to have been awesome and, and you know, obviously a great experience. I remember playing in college, the coolest part was taking pictures in each state and then I've got it on my phone. Look at all these states I've been to where when I was growing up, I had been to maybe three states my whole life. And then, you know, you get to go play college football, you get to go see the whole country. Uh, but we even had problems with that with guys remembering their ID or remembering, you know, different things. What's the process like to get, um, you know, passports for your entire team make sure they've got everything packed for a trip to China?
2: Yeah, it was it was quite an undertaking just, you know, organizationally. Luckily, as just the old line coach and video guy, I wasn't asked to plan the whole trip. <laughs> But you know, it was a two year process of trying to you know figure out everything. Um, you know, our head coach Rick Fox did an amazing job working with uh, the AD. We actually had a switch in ADs halfway through planning the trip. Uh, working with uh, people in the international school department, working with the president, uh, we had to work with a lot of people to make this happen. Raising money was was a pain. You know, it's not cheap to bring you know eighty people to China and. <laughs> You know, but how do you get a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds to remember everything? You grill it into their brains that they need to pack <laughs> and prepare. do a lot of different checkpoints along the way to make sure deadlines. If you don't, here's your, you know, here's what you got to do to remedy it, or you know, and there's many discussions and sometimes very uh, pointed discussions at individuals to make sure they were prepped and ready to go. Um, as you know, those, some guys are not necessarily the most uh, I guess, prepared for a lot of things, but especially an international trip. And a lot of them haven't even left uh, the state, much less the country before, you know, some of the younger guys.
1: Wow. Well, coach, I know you, you talk a lot about these, these awesome experiences. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, your background. I know you've been a Drake guy through and through, you know, you played there and you, and you coach there now. You're the, the old line coach. But, you know, t- talk a little bit about kind of your upbringing into football. What, what kind of led you into to wanting to be a coach? Was it something you always wanted to do? Or was it something maybe you kind of got into college and then you decided, you know what, I think this is something I want to pursue?
2: Yeah, so, like I said, I'm from St. Louis. Played at a, a really uh, sport program. It's kind of a small school, uh, MICDS, formerly Country Day. Um, so, shout out to all those people out there. It's a great group of guys. I actually suffered a great many injuries playing, so I missed my senior year of football in in high school because I tore my ACL. Um, And That was kind of when I got my first taste of being on the sidelines and working with younger guys and trying to pour myself into them and develop them to be the best we could. Because it wasn't about, you know, my success. It wasn't about me going to college at the highest level anymore. You know, I was going to play college football. I didn't know where at the time, but I was like, I got to make sure these guys are ready to go so we can compete you know, when we needed to, you know, which was pretty soon. I was lucky enough to get recruited by uh, Coach Fox, who was the O-line coach at Drake at the time. Uh, And Chris Graydon was the uh, head coach, who's now Eastern Michigan. Um, They recruited me despite my injuries, kind of stuck with me. I loved what they stood for and why they coached. You know, that really stuck with me. It was really why I came to Drake, um, because I believed in the type of men they were and the kind of men they surrounded themselves with. That was important to me. Um, Came to Drake, struggled with more injuries, didn't see the field a ton, uh, played here and there, uh, ended up retiring, I guess, maybe about a year early, and uh, got into teaching. And I missed football, and I had not really been, you know, much of a killer on the field, but I always loved football. I love the cerebral side of things. I love the X's and O's, the teaching aspect of working with guys and seeing guys develop. Um, so I never really planned on coaching, and then I kind of fell into it when I was teaching one day out in West Des Moines. Coach Fox called me up, said he had a part-time position available, and I jumped all over it, said I couldn't pass up an opportunity to work with my old head coach, a line coach, and at my old alma
0: mater. That's, uh, it's always fun to get to go back to the place that you were. And, and that's where, you know, it's unfortunate that some of the schools, you got some coaches that are almost against bringing guys back to their school that they played with. Uh, I, I know we had several different coaches that uh, their idea was they didn't want a kid coming that came out of Houston to come back and coach at Houston because they knew the kids too well and, and all that, which I always thought was um, unfortunate because I always thought that would have been a really cool place to, to get to GA or get to coach at as the place you just graduated from and, and stuff, you you know, a place that you'd put so much hard work into had been nice to like, like in your, uh, the way you did it, get to go back to where you just played. And you know, everything, you know, the system, you can help these kids even more because it's been almost ingrained in you for, you know, four years.
2: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, me knowing uh, the staff, having played underneath them, them knowing the kind of person that I am and, that kind of got me in the door, you know, and I thought, you know, Drake is not a place that's afraid to hire alum. You know, we've got, you know, me, our coach are both Drake alum. Our corners coach, Drake football alum. Uh, Our assistant D line coach is a Drake alum. Our quarterbacks coach is a Drake alum. You know, we've got guys coming out of our careers that are Drake alum. And, you know, I know coach Fox was hesitant about hiring me at 24 as the O line coach after our last guy left, but uh, because I did know some of the players on the team, but, um, I think he's it 's proven that you know him and I work well together and i've worked well with guys despite how close we are in age, so I understand that reservation um but it's it's good it's it's worked out for all of us i think
1: yeah, I always think that stuff gets kind of blown out of proportion you know for the most part I think as long as you got the right person and they're able to to create that rapport with kids i mean there's a lot of a lot of positives to it as well you know I think. You know, a lot of these younger coaches can do a good job of, of developing rapport, you know, w- without some of that experience. And I think it also builds a lot of the relationships in the room because you have to be honest with some of those guys and say, hey, you know, hey, I'm not going to have all the answers. I'm going to be leaning on you guys a lot too. And it really builds that bond inside that room. Would you say that's pretty much true with, with kind of how it worked out for you?
2: I would. You know, I understand, you know, like I guess I understand reservations about it. But one thing I always told the old line you know, two of the guys that I coached last year and ended up being, you know, pretty good players for us were guys that I played with for two years. So they were, you know, friends of mine before I took that job. But, you know, I always told them, again, being a, a new coach at that point was, you know, I need your help. You know, I'm not the one out there doing it. It wasn't too long ago when I was doing it. But if, if we can find a way to do this better together, that's all that matters, right, is the end result, is us trying to put the best product we can out on the field and help us win. So, you know, I always say it's collaboration doesn't mean it's necessarily democracy, but it is collaboration.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, from down here anyways, in Oklahoma, just I don't know how true it is or not. But everything I've always heard about Drake is, um, you know, very intelligent. You got to be fairly intelligent to go there. You know, you got to be an intelligent kid to get into Drake, be able to make it through Drake and, and um, uh, you know, obviously graduate. So, If that is true, which I'm pretty sure it is, I could be wrong, but uh, how how has that helped you as far as with the recruiting of offensive linemen? I mean, I'm sure it at times can hurt because you maybe don't get the best athlete, uh, but you're going to have a group of, like when we went to Rice or when you think of Stanford, you're going to have a group of really intelligent football kids, uh, you know, up front, which is really what you need. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, being intelligent, Is a precursor to being a good offensive lineman in in, in the majority of football, Um, at least from what I've seen. And we do get smart kids here. You got to be intelligent to get into school. You got to be intelligent to stay in school. So, you know, that alone helps take care of some of the issues that we would, that some people are are unfortunate enough to deal with in in football, right? But we don't get the five star athletes, right? We're not going to get those. We are a non scholarship FCS school. So you add that on top of the high academic requirements. You got to find a certain kind of kid that fits what you who you are as a program, um, and we're lucky enough to, to kind of find our, our our spots and pick right the right kids. And because we have smart kids, we can do some cool, creative, um, you know, complicated things. And we can throw a lot at them, and they learn and they want to learn. They're they're good at learning new things, and they like doing it. Um, so that's been fortunate. And yeah, you know, I'm lucky enough to work with some great kids and they, they just enjoy what they're doing and they're here for the right reasons. They're not here because it's a financial obligation. They're here because they love football.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I, I've always been interested with, you know, some of the smaller schools, not small, but smaller that, you know, you guys have got to do a great job recruiting. And I've always thought, and, and I think walls has echoed it, or I maybe echoed it of walls, but you're at OU, you're at Texas, some of those big schools, you come in with the Polo Alabama, uh, all you got to do is see the kid and, and you've almost pick a pick of the letter. you know maybe you get to fight with a couple other big teams but you get to pick any kid you want where the teams that are really good that are some of the smaller schools have do a, have to do a great job of recruiting year in and you year out so they've got to be able to find the right kid and, and look through you know some of the, the uh, you know all these kids are high not hiding but they're putting their best foot forward to every coach they see because they want to go play college football so what are some of the ways that you um, that you evaluate these kids, maybe not even on the football field, but just as kids and if they are a good fit for you guys on the offensive line?
2: Sure, yeah. So, I mean, when I'm looking at O-Lyman, you know, and the first thing you got to do is find out if they're Drake type of kids, right? We want Drake guys. So, what that looks like, kind of if you were to build a profile, you know, you know in a lab or something like that, I'd say... You know, he's got to be number one. He's got to be a student first. He's got to care about his education, because there are kids out there that have great grades, but they don't necessarily care about their college education, or at least getting going to a, like a really great school. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We look for kids that in families too. It's got to be a whole family thing that cares about uh, where their kid goes to school and what type of program it is, and all those types of things. So that's got to be number one, because it is going to cost money to go to drink never going to be the cheapest option if you're good enough to play here flat out you can go find a division two school that will give you a scholarship if you're good enough to play at Drake you're probably good enough to play at some of those schools Um, and then so that value has to matter and then they have to understand the value that Drake gives back to them so they're going to pay but we're going to pay them forward you know with a great degree great football experience all those things that help build you ready for life down the road after football Uh, so that's kind of the big Thing we can try to find and there, there's a lot that goes into that you know finding kids talking to their parents talking to their head coaches talking to the receptionist at the school is this the kind of kid that loves his school loves the people around him and pays it forward in those kind of ways um, those are all factors and then he's got to be a great football player because we are a division one fcs program and we are trying to you know win a lot of football games win our conference and go deep in the playoffs that's our goal no matter scholarships or not um, and we believe we can do that uh, but we got to find our right guys, and then so good student, good person, good football player, check, check, check. We try to get them on campus as soon as possible, you know.
0: <laughs> I bet, yeah. So, so when you talk about on the field, coach, what are you looking for? Uh, you know, and I've I've been to like Texas A&M, and their coach, you know, he says he's looking for a guy with a, a head the size of a horse and 360 pounds and six eight, and can you know. 360 dunk of basketball and I, I oh, get that I get that everyone's looking for that I, I get that but uh and maybe you they can afford to do that at Texas AM. and but uh what are you looking for because that's more interesting to me as a high school coach you know how to develop you know guys to be able to go into colleges and and you know look good for a college and and have some of that carry over what are you looking for uh in an offensive lineman to come to Drake when comes to on the field because again sure. i'm sure everyone wants the six 350 pound basketball player but he, you know he's probably going to alabama
2: yeah you know it'd be nice to have a few of those guys laying around if you know and hit me up if they want to come to drake <laughs> but uh, you know you know when i look at guys right so again we're not going to get the just absolute freaks out there so what i'm looking for is number one This kind of is my, our whole offensive line philosophy of drake is you got to be a nasty dude on the field. So I got to see you wanting to get after people, kind of a violent hip snap, you know, getting after guys. You don't have to be polished technique. That's my job to get you there. So I want to see but some kind of nasty attitude, right? Be a great guy off the field, the how you can be on the field. Um, and you can see that on tape, and you can talk to coaches and find that. And then the next thing from some kind of measurables standpoint, I guess you could say is, you know, the farther you get away from the ball – the more length I think is significant. We throw the ball quite a bit. We run a lot of zone. So getting some, being able to cover some ground is important. I don't need, you know, offensive climbing come out of high school to be 310 pounds. That doesn't really fit us um, as much you know, If they are. That's a bonus, but I need some guys that can move pretty good. Um, athletes. So I do like basketball players. I like wrestlers, um, guys that play multiple sports um, and can still carry a, a good frame on them. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, guys that are, are playing nasty with those tools are, are important.
1: I kind of like you said, I mean, with the, the multiple sports, so you could find some guys, especially on the offensive line, you know, those diamonds in the rough, because, you know, I'll just use Iowa as an example. You know, this state really, really pushes, you know, multiple sports. It's not – I wouldn't say it's a football-crazed state. We'll just say it like that. Um, yeah, anyway. I agree any anyway those types of kids though generally they're going to be a little bit slighter in their frame because you know one they don't have a football class you know they may be lucky enough to have a a weight training class but now they go play four sports generally their body doesn't develop fully at that age so I think you can find some of those kids hey maybe he's six four or six five but he's only like 210 pounds and all of a sudden now he he goes to Drake he gets on you know The the eating program, and we're we're talking about the freshman forty now instead of the freshman fifteen because (laughs) yeah, he he has that big frame, you know, and all all of a sudden he can slap that weight on. So I think that that that, that's a good point that you make there. You can find some of those kids, but at the same time, you know, does he want to do it? You know, maybe he's a guy that maybe he's a guy that wants to stay skinny for his girlfriend. You know, I've seen those guys. Ah, my girlfriend. right? My, my, my girlfriend wants me to look good out on Sailorville Lake, you know, in the summer. I'm like, well, okay, that, that's, thanks for telling me now, because I didn't want to recruit you and find that out later. But, you know, you yeah, still see some of those kids that want to look good in the tank top instead of, you know, okay, I'm going to look great in my pads, and I'm going to go demolish people. But I like what you said about that, because a lot of those frames are, are massively underdeveloped, especially up north.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, there are definitely a lot of kids that – so, you know, that's why I'm usually a little bit cautious when I get, you know, a really skinny O-lineman on tape. You know, how skinny is he? Is he yeah. 210 pounds right now? Because then he might not be wanting to gain 70 pounds and be able to compete, you know. Um, that's a lot of weight. Uh, it, it's stressful. Some guys don't know how to commit to really gaining the weight. Uh, you know, I was an undersized o line when I came to Drake, and I had to gain quite a bit of weight. And from a guy that's lost it, it, it is nice in <laughs> not overweight. But if you want to, <laughs> yes, it is. If you want to commit to playing ball at a high level, you just got to be big, man. That's just the flat-out truth. You know, you got to be willing to be at least big enough, right? I don't need, like I said, 330-pound kids. In some cases, that's a disadvantage because you can't move like I need you. But yeah, you know, uh, I've got right now. I've got a, a center who's who's going to be a sophomore. He's an undersized cat, but he gets after dudes, right? Real nasty, real good base on them, strikes hard, you know, plays through the whistle and, you know, he's going to put on enough weight to be a guy who can compete and get after guys, but he does other great things that make up for it. So it's possible, very possible.
0: Uh- I love that you say that, and you talk about, you know, your undersized uh, center, if you will. But um, that's always been the cool part for me at at some of the smaller schools, even like Houston, right? I I consider it like a smaller school. We had a lot of guys on the team, you know, peppered throughout that could have played at any, you know, a lot of the BCS teams, you know. And and I'm sure even at Drake, at at all these schools all across the country, there's plenty of kids that they were just overlooked or they weren't, you know, they were – 6-2 instead of 6-3 so they didn't get an offer from you know whoever Tennessee instead you know they went to, to Drake and now you develop these kids or they went to Houston or whatever and then you just see how much really good football is out there not just at these big schools but you know and then you get some of these kids that move in from these big schools transfer in everyone has high hopes and then they don't start at at a Houston they don't start at a Drake and um, it, it's just really cool to see that That there's some really good football players. There's some awesome football being played at all levels throughout the United States.
2: Oh man, that's the truth. I know there's a there's plenty of examples I can think of in my you know I'm going on my eighth season involved in Drake football in some way as a player, volunteer, part time, full time, whatever it is. But there's you know my career is peppered with examples of guys that were you know an inch too short, a tenth of a second too slow in their forty that were just (laughs) crazy good football players. But it took them four years to become that you know, high-level athlete, you know, that, that could have stood out at other schools as well.
1: Well, shoot, you guys had, what was it, the, the tight end uh, last year, right? The one that's uh, that he's playing for the Falcons now, isn't he, I think? Is that who it is?
2: Yeah, Eric Saubert. He's, uh, he's playing for the Falcons now. He's actually getting quite a bit of attention out there now. He, uh, his last season was 16. You know, it is, that's a kid's great example. Came in, you know, probably 6'4", 6'4 1⁄2", 205 pounds soaking wet. Mm-hmm. but you know he showed some good tools on on camera and nobody was recruiting him really except yeah. for us so we got the steal of a century there ended up graduating at like 250 pounds and you know was running faster jumping higher and you know he's just you know he developed he put the time in put the work in over a four and a half year career and man it paid some serious dividends for him and for us you know <laughs>
0: I say going say, his senior season, uh, if I was the offensive line coach, I would have been saying, yeah, yeah, he's good at tight end, but think how good he could be at tackle, guy.
2: <laughs> I know. Man, I, was, uh, I don't think I was going to win that battle, especially no. at the time I was a part-time assistant of a line coach. I don't think that was going go well.
0: <laughs> you
2: know. There's plenty of uh, tight ends we've had here that I'm like, hey, coach, why don't we uh, kick him inside a little bit? He only has to gain about 25 pounds to start for me. you know. That's right.
0: <laughs> Yeah, B. Well, that's what I always try – you know, we, we bounce around at, at Broken Arrow and obviously it's completely different. It's high school. But we bounce around a lot between, you know, guys moving from tackle to tight end or tight ends moving to tackle. And and it's a lot of times not as hard of a sell as it seems. We had a tackle that went to um, went to a school in Texas, um, uh, Abilene Christian, but he was a tight end his sophomore year. Everyone made fun of him for being a slow tight end and, and all this stuff as a sophomore. And, I, you know, we kind of talked to him and said – you're not a great athlete at tight end, but if you move to tackle, you'd be one of the best offensive line athletes that we have. Made the move, gained a bunch of weight, and, and ended up going to college to play football doing it. And so, and with a lot of his hard work. But it, it's kind of cool being able to sell it to those tight ends, some of those guys, sell it to some of those tight ends and say, look, you can you can do some really great things here at tackle, and you'll be a, a great athlete as opposed to some of you guys that are just decent tight end athletes. And you get to run yeah. the, the the big time, and you get, like, five extra seconds. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the best. I know we just uh, switched last spring. We switched uh, a D lineman over to offensive tackle and our conditioning test just went from pretty difficult for him to really easy every camp. So
1: he's pretty psyched about that. Uh,
2: and I'm psyched to have a great athlete, you know, at, at tackle.
1: Yeah, that's right. Coach, I know uh, you and I got the chance to to actually sit down and, you know, sit in the warm and, and talk a little bit of, of weak power. You know, what, I'm always interested to ask coaches, especially younger coaches. I mean, when you sit down and you're kind of thinking of your off-season, you know, needs or your off-season learning, you know, is it something that you kind of maybe progress throughout the year? Like, it's like, okay, you know what? I want to learn more about that play. Or, you know, I want to go someplace and I want to learn more about this. Is that something you kind of plan out to do? Or is it something that you kind of just like, you know what? I want to just go learn it as much as I can.
2: Um, It's been a little bit of both. So originally, my, you know, being a a pretty young O line coach, I was interested in just learning as much, right? I wanted to make that a strength, not a weakness, you know, kind of transform that for myself. Um, But then, you know, developing our offense throughout this last spring and kind of getting the clearer picture of what we think our identity is going to be, I kind of sought out some people that I knew. I don't have a huge network at this point in my career, but I kind of just, you know, sent out some emails. People I know met at conventions and was like, "Hey, can you guys help me out? Can I learn this? Can I learn that?" Um, you know, you were a guy that I yeah, obviously listened to you guys' podcast before, and it's called Run the Power. So, who am I going to call to learn the power? It's the <laughs> Power Guys. And uh, so that was that was one part of it. And then I, you know, got to take a trip out to Colorado. Uh, a friend of mine uh, coaches out there in Northern Colorado. Um, so got to work a camp there with them and pick the brain of their OC and their O line coach on some things and had a great time coaching guys up too. So it was a win-win uh, for all those things. And, you know, and then pick up any book I can read, you know, read on anything what Charles Bentley puts out, uh, listen to his podcast rant from you guys a few times because it's always a good time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, was, that was a legendary 10 minutes of podcast history.
2: <laughs> oh man. I was out on the road recruiting uh, when I, when I listened to it cause that's how I was filling time uh, in the car was listening to the run the power podcast. And uh, that just that just got me through a long day of going in a high school talking to guys. That was hilarious, and just and death. but yeah. I mean, for the most part, I just try to seek out any knowledge I can. You know, build my build my toolbox as big as I can get it right now, and then try to specialize for what we need down the line for Drake.
0: Obviously, a big part of uh, coaching, especially in colleges, is the recruiting aspect, and and you know you you've got to be away from. Family, a bunch. You got to go into these places where you don't know anybody. Sometimes, I mean, some some places you've built relationships, some that you haven't. You don't know anyone. You got to be, you know, put on the the smiley face, and and even if it's not a great day for you, you got to act like that's the one place that you want to be. Is how have you done with, uh, you know, now going out and recruiting? Is it was it something that was difficult for you? Is it something that you, you know, do you guys have classes for recruiting, or or how do you kind of learn to I don't want to say be a good recruiter, but, you know, how do you kind of learn the ropes as you go?
2: Well, I'm lucky enough to to work at a place where I'm the youngest guy in the office of staff room by – I don't want to – I won't tell you how many years they get mad at me, but a lot. Uh, So they've got years and years and years of recruiting and football. So just, like, you know, go back to what you were saying before is, how do I pick guys' brains? I mean, those guys are a great resource for me. Um, I'm close with everybody on the staff. They took me under their wings and let me ask all the stupid questions I could. about recruiting about anything. They all helped me out a lot. Um, but as far as going into different schools, I did a year as a substitute teacher here in Des Moines, jumping school to school. So I got pretty good at walking into schools. I didn't know anybody and just figuring it out. Um, and if you can handle 25 crazy middle schoolers, you can handle, you know, a high school coach and a couple of players pretty easily.
1: I always thought the worst part was like having to like set up your itineraries and you you work for a couple of head coaches. You want to, know, hey, how many schools are you hitting today? You know, so you oh, have to okay. like plan, plan your plan your routes and send your stuff back to them. Like, hey, here's what I hit today. Here's the guys you saw. I mean, I always I didn't mind it afterwards, but it was always kind of the the, the preemptive stuff you had to do, and then you know mixing and matching your times. Okay, well, this coach has first period off. This coach has fourth. You know, and then all yeah. right, yeah, it's. it's a- that one gets to be brutal. And then I just thought the, the other worst one, and I don't know if we've had to do any of these yet, but when I was recruiting and they, they, they just send into the room and then they just give you like 12 guys. So, like, <laughs> yeah. so you, you have like 15 minutes and they got 12 guys. And so you hand out all your flyers and you got to talk to them. And you don't, you know, you maybe know, know who three of them are. And those are the three that you wanted to talk to. But the, the so-called, you know, high school recruiting guy, like, hey, you need to, you need to talk to these guys too. So you're basically just doing this quick dissertation on, hey, here's what the school is, here's what we're all about, and you're just like, man, yeah. and, and, and not to mention the nine guys that he did throw with you, couldn't, you know, couldn't play dead in a Western. So I mean, you're like, thanks a lot,
2: dude. <laughs> uh, it's always interesting to you get paired with, you know, some of your trips, you know, but... You know, I'll sit down and talk Drake with anybody who will who will listen. You know, I can get long-winded about it. I care about this place a lot, so a lot of just
0: stuff starts True. spewing
2: out. Um, you know, if they're not a football player for me, maybe they'll come to Drake anyway. Exactly. But, yep. Um, you know, that'll just help school out anyway. But um, yeah, I've had some interesting uh, trips into into recruiting. This last time I was out, I was out in the spring, and <laughs> I was out in Colorado recruiting, and <laughs> I think about every school I went to was closed because of a teacher walkout. Uh I didn't know about it, so I got it. <laughs> So I emailed set up all these times, and then they decided to do a walkout as I was in the state already. And so I had to mix and match a bunch of times and try to schedule uh, coffee with coaches. And, you know, <laughs> it was awkward at times, but we got it done. And then, you know, when I went to St. Louis to recruit, they were in the middle of state testing literally a week later. So I'm sitting there not able to meet with any of the guys I wanted to, so I got teacher walkouts and I got state testing and I feel like I just wasted two weeks out on the road. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeez. I, I've always thought all the paperwork must be just ridiculous because there's so many rules. There's so many receipts. I'm sure you've got to turn in and you've got to have NCAA rules and that just all seems way too much. I had to drive a box truck one time to a game um, one in high school uh, last year and brought it, took it got gas because it was so far away right before. Then that way when we left, we could, you know, get back. Well, I get back and the next day, you know, one of the guys is like, Hey, do you have the receipt from, you know, wherever you went and get, got gas. And I was like, no, I don't ever get a receipt. And he's like, we, well, we, we got to have a receipt. And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't have one. And he was like, well, you remember what gas station it was? And I was like, no, I don't know what gas station it was. I Google the closest one to the stadium. And that's the one I went to. And uh like three weeks later, he came in and was like, "Hey, uh, did you ever find that receipt?" <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't know where the receipt is. I was like, "Why don't you just do what I always do? You get on on uh, on your on your phone and and check your on website, check your balance, and you'll see that it came out." What are you guys talking about? Oh so, man, your those receipts fired. are big I, deals, huh? <laughs> I,
2: I learned that too. I uh, I I didn't get a few receipts and. On my first road recruiting trip, and I was, I was like a deer in the headlights trying to figure out all that paperwork. There's one, <laughs> one weakness I definitely have is organizing paperwork. I mean, I, I can't do it to save my life. I'm always <laughs> late on stuff like that, and I'm sure the accounting department hates me here, Drake. And, you know, I always, when I was part-time and hourly, I'd always have late-time cards, and they, they just knew me by heart. They said, oh, it's McLaren
1: kid. Can't figure it out. <laughs> I remember a couple of times I, you, well, when you go out to eat, you know, and I'd always stay with buddies because I try to save the program money on hotels. So I'd stay with buddies. And then I just tell the head coach, Hey, you know, I'm I'm going to take my buddy out for something to eat. You know, Hey, I saved you guys, you know, four or 500 bucks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know, be a good ambassador. So you always had to split, you know, your dinner. And then if you did have drinks, you know, adult beverages, you obviously split them up because the school wasn't going to pay for those. It's no big deal. So you do that. But then I remember one time I did. we were working a camp or something, and I had the the college credit card, and I got the guys a bunch of like energy drinks. They're all just gassed. So you're thinking, oh, I'm the GA, you know, I'm going to get these guys energy drinks. So you know, I spent this is like it was like twenty bucks, you know. So yeah. I hand them all out, and I take the I take the card back to the head coach, and he's like what the hell are you doing, man? You're spending 20 bucks on this stuff. I and mean, I got like ream for 20 bucks. <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm like, I don't have any money at the time, but I pull a 20 out of my pocket and I just throw it on the freaking desk. I'm like, there, there's your 20 bucks for the energy drinks. I don't even care. I mean, I was pissed. You know, and all the guys are happy. Like, hey man, thanks. You know, pick me up from camp and stuff. But oh, yeah. that's when, it, when that's, times that's are that's tight, man, you way. know? Yeah.
2: damn. That stuff. That twenty bucks is well spent when you're picking up your troops. You know, I. Yeah. I. Uh, but it's you know I I get it you know here you know we're a small school you know FCS program so we got to stretch a dollar just like a lot of schools and yeah you know I very very careful about what I spend my uh my my or use my program credit card for it's uh <laughs> I get pounded on by accounting just they'll come down like hawks you know they're great people just doing their job but man. Yeah. They're scary sometimes.
0: They are, and they love their receipts. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know receipts were a thing anymore until that day. Now I'm all about You got to keep every receipt. Get a receipt, for, Harper. For whatever reason that, uh, you know, my little nobody bank, we can do online banking, but apparently the big places can't. They can't. <laughs> They're not allowed to do online banking, I guess. But <laughs> uh, Well, Coach, uh, you know, The interesting thing to me is, and it was really cool when I got, like I said, I went down to Rice, got to sit in their meeting, and it was really cool to hear a meeting room with, you know, a coach that's obviously really smart and then a bunch of kids that are really smart. I mean, they're talking about uh, it was like a weekend to this new coaching staff, and they're into some really top-level, next-level stuff in their program because these kids are smart kids that understand offensive line. So, kind of. Talk me through what, what is your, like, a meeting like uh, for you and your offensive line? What, how, you know, how long is a meeting for you guys? Uh, what do you try to get accomplished? Do you have it split up in certain ways? or, or how, what's, a, what's a meeting look like if, if I was playing offensive line at, at Drake?
2: Sure, yeah. So, um, during the season, you know, like a game week, the first thing we do, I kind of try to run my meetings like, a, like I did in the classroom uh, because it is a teaching platform. Um, so it's kind of just best way to communicate to your guys usually we'll do we'll split up the meetings into about two groups during the day so it's probably usually just upperclassmen so any, all, freshmen don't have to come to meetings unless they're in the too deep at Drake we try to get them to focus on their academics um, so it's usually guys that know the offense pretty good at this point but it's more about specifics for that week um, and because I can rely on them to know things they're smart guys um, we can talk about some fine-tuned adjustments so usually start out with a review of practice from that day or whatever we're installing uh for that day let's say we got like a scheme run we want to use or um you know a kind of a nuance in our protection that works against these bullets that's what i'm going to show them we're going to talk about it you know start on the board go to video and then sometimes we'll even walk through in the meetings um just to kind of get different levels of learning and uh those guys soak it up pretty quick and then we watch a lot of film we cruise through a ton of information and uh, we can really get down to some nitty-gritty in about a 30 or 45 minute meeting because we are sound in what we know uh, as an offensive line. Um, we we try to keep things as simple as possible, despite having a, a bunch of smart guys. Uh, just because, and you can really get down into some
0: uh, fine. I, I love that you know you talk about just how you know keeping it concise. I I hate having long, long meetings. It just is just so. you I mean, it's just ridiculous to me almost. Just like. You know, the kids don't hardly enjoy it. Um, It's hard for me even, like, if I go to a a teacher's meeting, teacher's meeting is more than 45 minutes, I'm really zoning out. And that's uh, me as an adult supposed to be, you know, really good at paying attention and a teacher, you know. And there's uh, other teachers that are, you know, 45, 50 years old that they look like they could care less either, you know. And so uh, that's adults that are – that their job is to hold classes. And they're, you know, they can barely pay attention for 45 minutes, you know, or more. So I think it is, like you said, it is important to keep it to a small time frame. And, and I think it would be cool. I, I like that idea of, uh, and I'd kind of be curious how you've, how you've seen that work, uh, not bringing your young guys into meetings during the season.
2: Yeah. So, what well, we've, uh, yeah, that was the thing that, that happened to Drake when I was a player. We make it optional. So if they want to come, let's say they have, a good handle on things at Drake, then they can come. I mean more the merrier guess, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. um but you know our offense for the most part is not the simplest offense that's you know that's out there. Uh, and we we're able to do that because of kind of the level of kids we deal with and but as far as how concise things are, I mean you're kidding yourself you think that this is all these kids have to do all day is, is listen to football. If they got – we got guys that are going to be future doctors and lawyers and teachers and financiers. Like, these kids are worried about a lot of things. And so I got to give them the information they need to know. I like to teach conceptually so they can problem solve when they need to. Um, and, it, you know, we're going to work together to solve the issues we see on the field. And I'm just going to present them with the most tools possible. But I'd love to have the freshmen there. Um, they got a lot of adjusting to do to life at Drake. Um, so we allow them to kind of have some time off. And then, you know, they learn a lot in camp. They do a lot of scout team in, during the season, so they don't need to necessarily know everything about our offense, you know, for the last eight weeks of the season. They need to get focused on developing themselves as, as athletes and giving the best look they can get. Um, and then in the spring, in the winter and the spring is when we really kind of get those guys caught up scheme-wise.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good idea, especially if you know, you're, you're in there and it's, it's game plan-specific stuff and, and they're just kind of having to, you know, grind their way through it you know why why have some of those guys in there and then maybe you know you you set up a separate time form where it is almost kind of you know hey remedial drake offense we'll get you guys the the basics and as you feel a little bit more comfortable with it you maybe you guys can pop into a meeting or two but gives those guys a little bit of freedom too i think i think it makes perfect sense i'm i'm with you they probably practice better too would be my guess you know if they're doing scout team stuff because they're not all bogged down thinking about crap yeah
2: yeah, and we, uh, so usually Fridays of home games, uh, since we're not traveling or anything like that, we'll have kind of like a scout bowl up on our uh, practice north field area, and oh, yeah. uh, if we have the numbers for it, we'll scrimmage. Now, we don't always have enough <laughs> healthy bodies to do it, um, but, you know, we try to get those guys some kind of reps, so a lot of what last year was, we had like two scrimmages early in the year, and then we kind of had some injuries, had to move some freshmen around And then we did a lot of one-on-one pass stuff, just really honing in technique. Mm -hmm. And then we would talk scheme. You know, we talk, hey, you know, here's the zone. Like, think about the basic zone steps that you're doing, you know. And we'll rep those. You know, we'll get our basic protection. Here's when you'd be using this type of set, you know. So it's not the first time they're hearing it. It's not the last time they're hearing it. They're getting exposure consistently. It's just not the most important focus for them right now. It's developing as football players uh, from a physical standpoint kind of learning the technique, learning the lingo and stuff like that. And you know that's that's really our focus with those young guys is pretty slow-paced, intentional development from a physical standpoint rather than trying to throw a bunch of football stuff at them. They're just not mentally prepared for it yet.
0: And how do you – because this has been like my biggest off-season thing to try to figure out because we finally got a really good group of old guys that have been in it for a few years – We've got a new freshman group, and before at at our high school, it's always kind of been everyone's just kind of been fairly decent across the board, so everyone's on the same level, where now I've got a really good group of older kids that have been through it and a brand-new group of young kids. So I, I love what you're talking about, even being able to have even separate meetings or have these kids focus on, you know, the the basics and being better athletes, and then you get got your older kids that are in the too deep, you know, focusing more – game plan oriented so how do you translate that to practice as far as like here in a few weeks you're going to have you know however many four or five year seniors and then you're going to have you know five or six freshmen and you're going to have you know those kids are going to be on different levels so how do you how do you you know compensate for that in practice in indie and in team or, or whatever during during practice
2: sure yeah so you know, one thing I learned from Coach Fox was, number one, you coach every kid like they're a future All-American, right? So it doesn't matter if they're the slowest, uh, most far behind freshman or they're a 50-year All-American senior. Um, That's kind of the base you have to go into every practice and meeting with, um, because otherwise, what's the point of them being here? What's the point of you doing your job? But so in practice, how that translates is, you know, you have to pick your times for development and pick your times for game readiness. So during camp, I focus on getting my my number one job is to get guys ready to play September 1st against William Jewell, right? That's our first goal um, because that, that's the most immediate thing kind of staring down us. So, but then it's also a great time for me to use a ton of individual time in practice to evaluate what my freshmen are capable of doing at this point, find holes in their game and teach them some of the finer points of how to get in and move efficiently as an old lineman. And then we can start, Operating within a scheme frame that they can understand, right? So start with the most simple scheme things we do, and just have them focus on that. And then when we're in team, we try not to throw the whole offense at them <laughs> ever during camp. But
1: <laughs> yeah. you know,
2: or yeah, let's say our first day of install, we install our our zone, our inside zone. okay so we're gonna work inside zone that day, and we're gonna work the snot out of it. So when we go to team and we work inside zone, there should be some kind of idea of what we're doing. Um, I don't expect it to look pretty with those guys, but I want them to get a rep and get live ball reps against, you know, college football players. And they need to, to see what it's like and understand what it takes to compete here. Um, and that's part of it. So most of it is spent teaching the basic, basic, basic concepts, and then getting them moving and evaluating what they can do early on. And then in the season, you know, when we're trying to that game every Saturday is staring down the barrel, um, you got to get your guys ready. And, you don't have a ton of individual time with your freshmen because so they go over to scout defense or scout offense for the defense pretty quick. Um, but when we, when they are there, I treat them just like they're anybody else. We're trying to get them ready to play a game or, you know, play the next year and just keep reminding them, here's our steps, here's this, here's that, you know, walk them through if you have to.
0: Well, you touched on a point that I think is so important is like just being on the same page and having a, a an offense coordinator that helps you out, the on the page you want to be on. Uh, as far as like, you know, saying, Hey, this is the place we're going to run today and this is what we're going to script. And, and so that way you can in Indy practice that stuff. I I've gotten lucky that, you know, we've got zone days and we've got gap days that way on our zone days in the spring, uh, in Indy, all I'm working is our, you know, on our zone days, all I'm working is our zone doubles and our things that we'll see when we run either outside or inside zone. And then, and on our gap days, I get to work all of our big gap doubles. And, you know, uh, a lot of those days we'll even, in the spring, have it like, hey, today's a 3-4 day, 3-4 gap day. So we get to work our center guard doubles, our tackle tight end doubles. And then, you know, maybe the next, you know, in two days later, it's our forefront gap days. And so now I'm working tackles, guards, and then centers blocking back and, and different things. But it seems like it is so important to be on, on a the same page and work together with that OC. So you can set it up that way you can, you know, in Indie rep what you're going to be using later on in, in inside and in team.
2: Without a doubt. I mean, I think if for no other reason you want your guys feeling confident going to the team that they're going to be able to execute, otherwise it's going to be chaos. And then also, <laughs> you've lost your room because they don't believe in what you're teaching because none of it translated. And then I mean, that's a whole different can of worms you, you open up if you're not kind of working the same things as the whole offense. And I'm lucky enough to have a, a, a great staff here that, that clues me in on what I need to do to And, you know, Coach Fox is a former O-line guy, so he gets that uh, in full. Um, so I'm lucky to have that, that guy. always before. helps to
1: have that head coach as an O-line guy.
2: <laughs> oh, it's the best.
1: Um, the other thing that always would drive me nuts, I'll piggyback on that is when, you know, so you're talking about trying to get your young guys reps, is when, when the OC runs the exact same script that he's running with the varsity guys, you know what I'm saying, or the, or the, the older guys. And he's like, all right, go the young guys, but they don't ever make a separate script. And that always, that always bothered me. I mean, I'd always if I knew I was going to get those guys a bunch of reps, it's like, here's the five plays we're going to run, and that's it, you know. Otherwise, you're yeah, out yeah. there trying to coach it on the run, or, you know, y- you know the D coordinator. All of a sudden, they see the young guys go in, and he's got every, you know, twist and blitz known to mankind ready to rip, you know, cause he wants to look good too. But I just like, man, script for some success here, you know, Hey, they know inside zone and they know two and three jet protection. Leave it at that.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's good. We, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do, we'll kind of divide it up by period. So like we'll have the guy, the young guys, especially like in camp and spring ball, spring ball, they're kind of expected to know about everything <laughs> by the time we put it all, it all in and they swim a lot, you know, they drown a little bit here and there, but they work through it. Um, but during camp and the season, if those young guys are in a team, it's like, hey, we're gonna, you know, might be scripted the same, but we're gonna, hey, just call this, call that. Um, so they're they're doing what they know, and again, you know, you set them up for success so they can practice things they know because if they don't know what they're doing, then they're not gonna get any better at it. You know, they, exactly. <laughs> you can't get good at something you don't know what to do. <laughs>
0: Well, that's kind of somewhere that I've, I've kind of changed, and, and I still don't know that I'm fully there, but that Walls has kind of, you know, talked me into is, is you know, throwing the entire – maybe not the entire – but almost the entire playbook in the spring, even stuff that maybe you won't hardly ever use. And, and I've always – you know, the first few years, I, I didn't necessarily agree with that. You know, I was like, well, let's just get really good at what, with a few plays, and we'll keep adding, keep adding, you know, as the year goes or whatever where, you know, Wall's thought was always, and I've seen it work, throw the entire playbook, even if, you know, if, even if we run dart, never. We don't think we're ever going to run dart, but we still have it in our, our game plan. Uh, we'll work dart even in the spring, if, you know, a few plays, or we'll at least install it. And then, you know, later on in the year, it's week 11, and a defense comes out in something we didn't expect, and dart's the perfect play you know or, or darts a great oh, yeah. play for it now you know maybe sure you don't you wait till you get to the sideline but you can say hey remember we ran dart you know maybe it's a quick refresher but it's not an entire new play the guys have ran dart you refresh it in their mind on the sideline boom they're ready to go uh you know week 11 with something like that
2: yeah you know i think we do uh you know kind of a mixture of both those things you know i think we use the winner as a time to try to trim the fat on the offense mm-hmm. for the spring and then you know You're always adjusting, looking for something new, something fresh to kind of throw at uh, opponents uh, week to week even. But, you know, like let's use your dart, for example. You know, you want to have repped it against certain looks, you know, a couple times in the spring, a few times in camp. So when you're playing that conference rival, whoever it is, or some non-con team that you want to beat because it would be a good statement for your program, you can pull a dart out of nowhere and it hadn't even been on film yet, but you've repped it and you can run it. Um, at least somewhat competently, you know, and then all of a sudden you can run it four times in a game for some big yards and now it's setting up other things for you all because you took the time to kind of install it and teach it the right way and build on it small steps-wise um, throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I think if you just – if you go, the way you go about it, I mean, just, you know, being able to teach the, the rules of, of certain schemes, you know, being able, like you said, to, to, to simplify things. You know, to, to make it as concise as possible, you, you can run a bunch of gap plays if kids understand what a gap scheme is, Absolutely. right? So, I mean, they, they can always kind of pull from it. It's like, oh, that's a gap scheme play. Here's my rule. You know, same, right. thing, same thing with zone. And then, you know, okay, hey, if we put a tag on zone, guys, all, all it does is, is affect a couple guys. So, if we're, we're folding something, everyone else is blocking zone. But two guys here, the the tag or the call – that's the only thing that changes. So, I mean, I think there's so many smart ways you can do those things and they can become in-game adjustments at any time because they have that bank to pull from. And all they, all they really, you have to really to coach them on is, hey, here's the rule. You guys remember this rule, right? Yeah, what's your rule? Boom, here's what we're going to do. And the kids get it.
0: I think
2: that's a, a huge kind of building in a complexity to your offense. And, you know, I think of the run game mostly with things like that um without it actually being complicated for your guys so it appears mm-hmm. complex but it really is simple and i think the biggest thing we've been able to achieve a way to we, we achieve that is we i you know i as well as coach fox and other guys here we teach from concept kind of down to specifics so it's yeah. all about what is the main goal of the play you know you teach you know um big picture why we do things and then that allows guys to problem solve and say, Hey, can we do this? You know, they come up with ideas on how to fix problems rather than us always having to do it, which is nice. You know, and when we do come up with things that they can kind of fit it into this mold of, okay, so this is a zone, but here's kind of how we're tweaking it a little bit and that makes sense to me. So they learn it fast.
0: Oh, I completely agree. They learn it so fast. And then also by, by teaching it that way, when all of a sudden a team jumps into, you know, whatever it is, bear that you haven't worked or they're jumping into uh, the radar defense or whatever they know that oh it doesn't matter gap I've got my inside gap I'm responsible doesn't yeah we've worked for whatever a a three and double him to backside but if all else goes crazy and everyone's walked up or I've got my inside gap because they've they know that's the the overall whatever of of gap scheme or if it's zone it's I know I've got my play side zone you know And, and there's little things we can tweak and depending on fronts and different things but everything goes crazy or we're going hurry up and no one's set I know at least my rule is you know go to my playside zone I think that really has really helped our guys out yeah
2: I know that's that's exa- I'm, I'm lucky to have been taught that way and and now I'm able to transfer that on to my guys and I know you know and you know I've heard you guys talk about it on here in the past is you know, our job is to give guys lots of tools in a big toolbox so that when stuff hits the fan, they can pull something out that's going to work for them and, you know, create a close-knit group so then when, you know, things happen, you guys can communicate amongst yourselves and, and we can solve that problem together and everybody knows their rules. You operate the rules inside of those rules and then you're ready to roll, crack some skulls, and, and move the ball.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I just think, you know, there's there's so many – you know, so many people see, you know, and we're all guilty of it, but you're watching a game on, on TV and you see a play that you like or you see another play that you like, you know, and, and everyone tries to install these, these plays here and there. You know, it, it's fine. But, you know, Coach Harper said it, you know, if you've taught those rules and those concepts before or you can liken it to something that you already do and create kind of that association in the kids' minds, you can work that play in a heck of a lot easier you know, and that's why, you know, my brother would always say, you know, I was always interested to see what you guys were going to do the next week because he knew there was going to be a tweak that we had somewhere, whether it's a new formation, a new motion, a new look, or it could have even been a new tag on a play, but it it was all something I'd maybe had seen or liked and we could work it in really easily because it's like you guys have already said, the, the rules were already in place. The framework was already in place. It's not like we're spending a half hour to put this thing in it only took five minutes
2: yeah and you know something I admire about especially high school coaches I think do such a great job of this is you know your personnel changes year to year and week to week so drastically at times that you have to kind of teach that way otherwise your offense is never going to have any congruity to it It To be a lot of misunderstandings between people and guys moving positions and you know, you got to run an odd front one week cause you, and then you can't cause you don't have a nose guard anymore. You know, <laughs> Whatever that is, you got to find a way to make it work. And, you know, so you have to kind of teach those base rules and, and have deep conceptual understanding to be successful and execute.
0: Well, coach, we're, uh, you know, we've had a blast. We're, we're coming up on coming up on an hour. And so kind of the way we finish all of our episodes is, and I'm always excited to hear from an offensive line guy, uh, when, when you're watching another offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach?
2: Yeah, so the, something that I, I've noticed on film is that I respect a lot about certain groups of old line guys and obviously their coach because of that. Um, very, very common technique threads throughout each guy. So all five guys have a lot of commonalities in what they're doing um, between stance, steps you know, strikes, aiming points, things like that, finishes. But they're doing that with exceptional violence at the point of attack. I mean, really getting after guys, finishing guys in the ground, playing together, celebrating with their teammates, you know, those types of guys are bought in to what their coach is teaching them. And they're doing it and having a blast. I mean, just getting after guys. And that's, that's how O-line is supposed to be played. Um, so that's really really what I, I respect about those
1: types of groups coach be honest when you see a guy flat back somebody at practice how jacked up do you get are you in there freaking mixing it up with them still or are you still a little bit oh, more man. reserved I,
2: I, <laughs> I could send you a highlight tape of me jumping up and down, down I, I get made fun of in meetings because i'm just like jumping up and down and i look like an idiot i can't jump very high still as an line. So I, I look pretty ridiculous at times
1: to me, that's that's all the fun of it, though, man. I, I know that when you see kids, you know, finally get it and they're playing with that violence, I mean, you got to celebrate that stuff. I mean, oh, you know, everybody yeah. talk, everybody celebrated. talks about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to put it on a T-shirt, you know, hey, play violent, you know, or tell somebody. Yeah. But when, when they do it and then you get jacked up and you reinforce that behavior, I mean, to me, that just gets infectious and those kids love it.
2: Oh yeah. I, I agree with you more. I almost pulled a hamstring last spring doing it. We had a that guy that <laughs> was in the D line. He finally clicked one day and just buried a kid and I went and jumped on his back and you know, <laughs> he was he was like, Hey, get off me, you crazy nut
0: but you know was, <laughs> I was having fun.